Oh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, just uh, getting a bit set up here. Uh, it's lovely to see you this morning and to be able to, ooh, <laughs> to be able to, yeah, that's some strong fallback, <laughs> uh, to be able to share this, um, this story with you. Um, if you couldn't tell already, I'm definitely not from New Zealand, um, from America, though I've been here for 14 years, and so I'm practically a Kiwi now. Um, yeah, so basically, well, let's get right into it. The, I obviously was born with a physical disability. It's called arthrogrip, well, the long term for it is arthrogriposis multiplexus congenita. I'll try saying that three times really quickly, <laughs> and your tongue will be in knots. Um, so basically, uh, when I was born, my hands were completely folded under and my feet were backwards. So within two, yeah, within two hours after being born, I was basically uh, uh, undergoing surgery and stuff. And yeah, quite a lot of repeated surgeries over the years to um, give me the ability to walk and be mobile and be independent. Um, so I wasn't really, I wasn't brought up uh, as a Christian. We had uh, really, really good morals and stuff like that. So I think we were one of those families that we would go to go to church uh, during Christmas and during Easter. And anytime we went to go visit my grandmother, we would go make sure to, to go to church on, uh, on those weekends. <clears throat> and yeah, so brought up with good values and stuff and stuff like that, you know, integrity and, and things. And, you know, my, my dad was, was always saying, you know, you mean what you say and you say what you mean. And so growing up with that, uh, obviously as, as a child and as I got into being a teenager, um, being different is not always the, uh, the best thing, uh, best one to be. So you're kind of the odd man out. And I remember, uh, so I grew up and went through school at a time where anybody who had any sort of difference uh, was put into, I guess you call it like a slow classroom or something. So they group everybody together and you'd be put on this curriculum where basically you had to do everything really slowly. Um, God blessed me with a uh, really good intelligence. So I was completely bored out of my mind going to these classrooms and learning how to write letters when I was wanting to read books and write sentences and learn more. Um, so eventually, they gave me a test and told me that, okay, you should probably be in mainstream classes. So I got placed in mainstream classes, which was good, but it was also hard as well, because obviously, different, you know, you get teased, you get picked on, and, you know, I guess for most people, I mean, for me as well, that, you know, you, you kind of want this, um, what do you call it, like acceptance, you know, you try to you try to strive for it, you know, it's like a goal. And over the years, I kind of idolized that, you know, I'd put that, you know, this is my goal, I want to be accepted by others. You know, this is, this is what I really want. Um, so as I was young, I took a really strong interest in science and mathematics. So I love to see how things work. Um, I took things apart when I was a kid and to the detriment of my parents, sometimes I wasn't able to put it back together. <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I took more of an interest in chemistry. So I really, really liked how um, plants you know, can just change sunlight into energy 
And from a young age, I knew that there must be a God out there because life was really too complicated to explain it any other way. When they taught um, aspects about, you know, uh, not creationism, but like Darwinism and stuff like that, things happening by chance, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, because just how complicated things are, you know, simple bacteria, there's so many moving parts and so many cells that, that just it screams out that there's a creator. Just like uh, every picture has an artist, the creation has the creator. And it just glorifies him. The more that I knew about science, or the more that I knew how to, or knew, appreciated God, because, you know, just his beautiful creation that he made. Um, but obviously I wasn't this way prior to, uh, prior to becoming a Christian. Um, so basically, uh, through high school and then I went to university, um, the amount of anger and resentment that I had towards people just started growing and growing because I wasn't able to reach that, you know, the idol that I had where I wanted to be accepted. It just wasn't there. And I was becoming frustrated and angry. And I learned quite a lot about chemistry and did really well in school. Um, <clears throat> and then just went, went to a point I was like, you know, I'm just tired of this. Uh, had enough. Uh, never, I just felt that, you know, I was never going to be accepted, never going to achieve that goal. So instead of trying to live to a point where, you know, I was being accepted at the lowest level, just, you know, just wanted to be accepted as normal, my goal at that point was, well, why don't I just bring people down? You know, I see people, I saw people, you know, ha having wonderful lives and stuff like that, and I was like, you know, it's not fair. Um, my perception of God at that point was, um, how would I describe it? So, God bless, or God curses others, so that way other people could feel blessed. So it's a completely twisted way of how I perceived it, but that's how I perceived God. Because I would see all the suffering in the world, and I was like, well, I saw the privileged people as well. And I was like, well, I guess God must really be against those people that, um, that were suffering and had difficult times. So that way, when other people can see it, they're like, oh, I just, I'm thankful that I'm not them, or I'm thankful I'm not her. So that was my perception of it. Completely intellectualizing it and completely separating uh, emotions from it. So over the years, I become very, very emotionless. I distance everybody from me. Um, I would probably say that, yeah, I had really, really um, became quite calloused and hard. Um, and then I was like, well, I know all this chemistry, so I would like to learn how to create chemical weapons. Um, I remember the first time I actually shared that with somebody, it was my supervisor. I was doing my master's at the time. <clears throat> and um, I, I asked him, I was like, just out of the blue, I was like, What's, what area of chemistry should I study um, to learn about chemical weapons? And it was like, oh, it'd probably be organic chemistry or biochemistry. And then he added on right after that, he's like, this is really, really good that you know, people would want to learn about this so that way they can stop, that, stop this in the world. <laughs> and the, the sentence I said afterwards, he really distanced himself from me, and he was quite distant from me for the rest of my master's degree, where I told him, no, no, I don't want to stop it. I want to make them more efficient. And so he just like, whoa, okay. Um, 
And yeah, so it was, <coughs> when I was doing my master's degree, it was sort of the young days of the web where you can just, you can look for it, you can search for anything on the web, and they had lots of information out there for you, which I just soaked it in. And you could go to the library, this is before 9-11, where you could just, you could pick up books, and you could learn about how to create, um, you know, the reactions, reaction steps to be able to create chemical weapons or explosives or things like that, and I was just absorbing it. Um, so I would do my studies during the day, and then I would go and eat dinner, and then come in, in the evening, and I would practice these uh, chemical reactions and sort of like precursors for creating uh, chemical weaponry, because I wanted to be able to take, this, take the knowledge that I knew and to be able to go to the government and say, this is what I can do. Um, if you wouldn't accept the knowledge that I have, then I'd be like, well, I'll go overseas and sell myself to another government or agency that would basically be the goal of making everybody's day terrible. And that was, yeah, that was my goal. So I remember um, very, very clearly uh, after lecturing one evening, um, I had left the lecture hall and was heading home. And my perception of pastors on the street was that, oh, there's a disabled man there. Let's go and talk to him. He really needs some prayer. And I felt that I was going to be a notch in somebody's belt, that you know, they could pat themselves on the back saying, yeah, I did myself a good, a good favor. That was my perception of how, how Christians were, was that, you know, oh, let's pray for them and you know, get my, pat myself on the back. Did a good job for the day. Um, so I was, I was approached by a pastor on the street, and uh, he, he said, you know, oh, hey, how's it going? And he was like, I've got some good news to tell you. And in so many not-so-nice words, I told him that he should probably go and bother somebody else. <laughs> uh, the words that I used, I can't, can't say on the stage. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he was very, very persistent. He, can, he literally followed me down the road, and he said, you know, I really feel that the Holy Spirit um, wants me to, to talk to you. And I said, told him no again. And this went on for probably about a good three or four minutes, and where I was basically three quarters of the way home, and he's still following me. And I was like, cool, look, yes, okay, I accept that. And even though I, I wasn't 100% hard, my heart was into it, 99% of it was just to get him to, um, to stop pestering me. But there was just that 1% that basically said, well, yeah, had a good career, um, what do you call it? Um, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I had a good career. I was making good money. Um, but yeah, I was just, just tired of being angry. Yeah, yeah try the things of the world, you know, go, go parties on the weekends, you know have loose relationships, and in me it was, yeah, I was just very manipulative. <coughs> I was tired of trying to manipulate people, I was trying to, I was tired of, you know, trying to step on them, achieving my goals by using other people. That's one thing I didn't mention was that I saw people as just objects to be used. Um, once their usefulness was gone, I just discarded of them, just like throwing away the trash. Um, so, yeah, I... That 1%, uh, it's just like, you know, this would actually be a welcome change. And 
I know definitely that God can definitely work with 1%. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be up here giving you his testimony. So I remember also clearly that evening, um, yeah, didn't think much more of it, and then I went to bed, and I remember a dream where just all of a sudden, out of the blue, I heard a voice saying, did you mean that? And I thought, I was just like, oh, maybe I ate something bad or something like that, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I've had some crazy dreams and stuff, but, um, <clears throat> but at that point, a seed was sown, and the seed took a very, very long time for it to grow and for it to mature. Um... So it was right around that time that Lord of the Rings came out, and um, I was keen to go and visit New Zealand. And I was like, cool, yeah, it's a beautiful place. And just like most Americans at that time, they're like, oh, yeah, clean, green New Zealand. Let's, let's go, let's visit, and let's you know, do that. So I went with a good friend of mine, and um, yeah, I saw just a completely different culture. And I don't know what it was, but... Um, yeah, I was just very, very keen to, I wanted to actually move to New Zealand. And um, at that time, I had finished my master's degree and I was lecturing. And I was d debating on whether or not to do my PhD. And God just, well, now I see it, but I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I'm intelligent, you know, that sort of stuff. But God was actually laying the, laying the framework for me to actually come to New Zealand. Um, so I had... But try to get at the time try to get in touch with um, a uh, my old supervisor. Well, old, old supervisor at the time, um, and didn't get in touch with them. But I left a message, and then it was about six, seven months later. He got in touch with me, and he said, "Well, he's moved to a different university, and that he's looking for PhD students, and would I like to come?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, you don't have to ask me twice. That would be absolutely awesome." And I had applied for a um, uh, a scholarship, which I got accepted. So everything was completely paid for. I didn't have to worry about, well, the only thing I'd pay for was the plane ticket. But um, God made a way for me to come to New Zealand. And that was, yeah, he took me out of a, an environment where I could have easily slipped back into my old habits. And he took me out of that environment and he put me into a new environment. And so after I moved in, I had... Um, Basically, uh, the first place I lived at was like right adjacent to Albany Baptist Church. And just out of the blue, I thought, I would like to just go and check in at the church, see how it's going. And that's really unusual for me because people, people who knew me before that, I never go to church. I wouldn't <laughs> dream of it. Because my old perception was, why would people want to help out somebody else if it's not profitable for them? It was about me. I was very selfish. And that's an aspect that I'm still definitely working on. But it was all about me. And when I went to, when I went to the church, they were all welcoming and stuff, which was completely, it just blew me away. I was, and I just, that little seed that had been sent to me was starting to grow. It was like, what do these people have that I'm lacking? You know, I'd been successful, but I wasn't happy. Um, there's just something that, that they have that, um, that I wanted. And so I, I started going there week after week, and um, eventually they suggested, because most of the people there were much older than I was, and I was really wanting to kind of hang out with people my own age at the time. And so they had suggested that I go to um, Long Bay, and um, 
they, uh, Harborside Church, they had like a, a youth kind of, um, or like young adults uh, gathering there. So I went there and encountered this, you know, it's just this warm love that, yeah, it was really, really weird. <laughs> and I just, yeah, it just hadn't really, I mean, I, I was loved by my parents, absolutely. And, but it was a love from somebody else that wasn't, out, that wasn't within my family. That's, it's just very, very different. And um, so I joined that, and, or I went there and just blown away by it. And Paul, who was the pastor there at the time, um, I'm not sure if he's still the pastor there now, but um, you know, he, he had asked me, you know, have you given your life to Christ? And I said, kind of. Um, I, I told him, well, I first told a street pastor off, and then I t- told him yes because I wanted to get rid of him, and, um, or wanted him to stop bothering me. <clears throat> and he's like, would you like to do that? And I was like, yeah, I think I would. And so he took that 99%. So he took the 1%, and then he grew that to the full 100%. And so I'd given my life to Christ at, uh, at that point. Well, 100% at that time. Um, and then salvation, I see that as being the starting point. So that's the starting line right there. It isn't just reaching the goal, cool, can sit back, relax, go back into my old ways. Because once, once I gave my life to Christ, that's when God said, well, cool, we've got all these suitcases that we need to take, get rid of. Um, and over, over the years, the first suitcase that I needed to uh, let go was the anger and wanting to yeah wanting to use people and that was really for me that was very tough because that was the only thing that I knew that I held on to that that was my for me that was my source of strength but now God wanted to be my source of strength and he was like put this down before me and I remember the first first year or the second year that I came back from New Zealand and I went to catch up with some of my mates they looked at me and they're like, what's, what's changed in you? There's something, you're different. And they basically told me that I wasn't a so-and-so anymore. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> so he, God had started working on my heart. And he taught me to want to love people. I wanted to serve people, which before that was completely irrelevant. Why would I want to do that? Um, because... The old me was like, well, there's, there's no profit in that. I don't get anything out of it. Unless I like show up and it's like, yes, you know. I serve at the church. I'm a good man. Um, but that's, yeah, that's not, that wasn't the old me. And so the anger and the uh, unforgiveness that I held um, was, yeah, those are the first two bags that, that God had released from my released from my luggage, my luggage container. And, yeah, it was a really, it's, and it's still a really, it's a long process. Um, the other thing that I had to get, get rid of was the desire for people to accept me. And that took the, pretty much the longest, but God had put really wonderful men in my life where basically they said, well, come, let's go to the Valiant Man course, because I was into, um, you know, sleeping around and into bad relationships and things like that. And um, that was an area that I had that needed, needed a lot of working. 
And so I met a friend of mine, Martin, and um, so we went to a Valiant Man course, which taught us how to be men of integrity and what that actually meant um, and how to shy away from pornography and from, uh, uh, you know, just the, the lustful nature of, of the flesh. And so, again, that was a work in progress. I didn't just attend the course and then was set free. Some people were. Um, God works that way in people's lives. For me, what I eventually learned and what the Holy Spirit revealed to me was that God makes things challenging and difficult because he knows just how stubborn I am. And that if I wasn't going to... He, he gives me a word, but in my mind, because I'm so prideful, that um, I think, you know, I'm really intelligent. I got it. It's, sort, it's sorted. I can work it out. But then he puts these roadblocks in my way where I'm banging my head against the wall saying, what's going on? What's going on? And then he points it out. Well, duh, I told you you were supposed to do this right at the beginning. If you would have followed this, there would be less dents on the wall and you wouldn't have a sore head. So, yeah, that's the way that God spoke to me. And it really, the things that I had encountered after becoming a Christian were there to, I feel that were there to refine me and to, to chisel away those parts that I relied on in my heart, the bitterness, the anger, the lust, the selfishness, to be able to mold my heart into more of Christ's heart and to love people. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, and that's, that's another testimony in itself where God had, I didn't realize that he was speaking to me, but he had been speaking to me throughout my life, putting milestones into me, which he revealed to me later on. I mean, that could be another talk or discussion that is about 106, where he had just pointed out, the number 106 had come into my life several times, and he had pointed out that those were actually milestones, that he was actually there with me every step of the way regardless of what I was doing and whatever. Um, but <clears throat> the other thing was, um, <coughs> what was I going to, oh, uh, I went to Promise Keepers for the first time with um, one of my good mates. And one of the um, pastors came and he prophesied over me that he said that I would be a great witness. And this was later reaffirmed because I was, one day I was just really curious because I didn't feel like I was actually witnessing God's love to people. And I was like, well, what does it mean to be a witness? Um, and this was reaffirmed by, I felt that this was reaffirmed by the Holy Spirit. Because um, I was just sitting down, I was watching some YouTube videos. And quite often I'll, I'll watch, um, they're called Let's Play. So people playing computer games and uh, usually games that are a bit too, you need like huge amounts of dexterity in order to play. And... The, the game that this guy was playing was um, No Man's Sky. And I was curious about learning what it was to be a witness for Christ. And as I was looking, then I heard, I was watching the video as well. And then he went up to this one obelisk and um, you learn like d different words for some alien language or whatever it is. And the word witness came up, just right out of the blue. And I was like, cool, this is, 
definitely Holy Spirit led. <clears throat> and so there's um, two scriptures that I had read that I'd like to share with you um, because it was really important for me about being a witness uh, because the testimony that I told, because I thought, well, it's just a testimony. It doesn't really affect anything or do anybody any, you know, well, I suppose it does people good. Um, but I didn't really see yeah, I, I didn't really see the point in it until I actually read these two scriptures. And the testimony that I'd give, given, um, I'd give, I'd uh, told a mate of mine this, and um, just a simple testimony of that, and uh, it healed his marriage. And I it didn't, I wasn't expecting it. It just blew me away. Um, so the, the, the point that I'm trying to say is that each and, every, each and every person has their own story. They have their own testimony. And you might think, oh, I was raised in a, you might be raised in a Christian family or think that your story might be insignificant, but it's God's story, and God's story is always significant. And so the first scripture that I would like to share with you is 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7 to 8. And let me... Switch to my Bible here. Whoops. Oh, I'll have to read it on there because my uh, laptop isn't connected to the internet. Um, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but the power, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Um, Sorry, I can't read that. Please. Oh, it's... Aha! There we go. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to turn my back to you. Um, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner, but join, me, but join with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. <clears throat> and that word suffering, it really tinged my, what, it tinged my heart, and I was like, and Greg would have shared about um, when he was talking about love, you know, suffering. And I was like, Lord, what, what does it mean to suffer? Does it mean, you know, taking whips and, um, you know, um, taking the abuse of people? And I felt the Holy Spirit said, in some cases, yeah, somebody had to take your abuse in order to um, sow that seed that, 1%, that laid into 1% of your heart. <clears throat> but the bigger picture is that when, it, when he talks about suffering, it's actually loving in this case, people so much that you want the absolute best for them, but having the grace to accept them for where they're at. And that's what I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to share about suffering. It's not, sometimes it's, you know, taking the abuse, but it's also loving people so much that you're wanting the best for them, but accepting where they're at or being graceful about where they're currently at. And the other scripture is Colossians 4, 5 to 6. Sorry, turn it back. Um, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, uh, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you you will know how you should respond to each person. So that also really touched my heart because prior to being a Christian, I was very offstandish. 
and my, my words were seasoned with probably chili peppers and not, <laughs> and not salt. <clears throat> but this also says that you know, your, your testimony doesn't have to be some big speech or anything like that. Your testimony of God's love can just be responding with somebody with kindness instead of turning an ear. Just going up to somebody and saying hello, that could be a testimony in itself. And you don't know what seed that you actually sowed, just like that street pastor didn't know what seed that he had sowed in my heart. Um, so you never know who you can actually affect by just showing God's love. And it doesn't have to be big. Just faith as small as a mustard seed can do so much good for people. And that scripture up there said, well, just speak, speak with wisdom and speak words of life into people and not words of death. And for me, it's actually wanting to love people and see, wanting to see the best in people instead of seeing them as objects to be used. <coughs> and then finally, um, as I mentioned, God had uh, put difficult things in my life so that way he could kind of direct me into the right direction. Well, after I'd become a Christian, um, I'd been praying for a, uh, a wife and family. And many years, you know, I'd gone, I'd gone through lots of heartache and um, dating and stuff like that because my heart was more into, you know, the, the relationships and stuff like that. And it wasn't focused on what God had wanted for me. But he told me very clearly, very, at the beginning, he said that the woman that, um, that I would like you to marry we'll talk about ducks. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's great. It's pretty narrow. I can, I can work with that. <laughs> um, but my stubborn me said, well, I know what the best way is. So let's go through several years of you know, relationships that were unhealthy and uh, a marriage that had broken up and all kinds of difficult things as well. Uh, because I thought that I knew what was best. And then I had met uh, my lovely wife now, Joy. She uh, met her online. And um, uh, on our second date, <clears throat> she talked about um, the ducks at, um, at, at uh, Avalon Park, because I quite frequently go over there for a walk. And that just pinged in my heart, and I was like, I remember that, what God had told me a very long time ago. And I was like, cool. I did, obviously, the next day, I didn't say, cool, I bought you a ring, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of this, that, and the other. Um, but we, we did get married very quickly, though, because I met Joy, we met uh, late October last year. And just recently, um, on the 7th of October this year, uh, we had... Um, gotten married. So if you could flash up some of the photos of us. So there's some photos of our wedding. And tying back into um, uh, the number 106, if you're interested in that, you can talk to me about that. But we were married on the, uh, the 7th of October, which in America... Hmm? Oh, sorry. Fifth. I'm already messing it up. <laughs> we, yeah, we married, we, well, the reason why I was thinking 107 was because we, yeah, of our address, but anyway, um, 
we got married on the 5th of October, and our very first um, full day of, being, of me being married was the 6th of October, which in America, we write the date, we write the month before the day, so it's 10-6 or 106. And trust me, I hadn't planned on that originally, but God is wonderful in how he um, just directs, directs us. And that was one way in which he had directed me, and he actually pointed it out. And, I mean, one last thing is that God speaks to you, and this is something that, that Joy taught me, is that God speaks, us to, speaks to us every single day. Um, and one thing that's really, really quite helpful for me is at the end of the day, just thinking back on your day about how, where did God speak to you? Where could you see God um, speaking to you in the day? And just recognizing that, because sometimes, there's, well, there's many times where I feel like I'm distant, but actually God's always right there, and he's talking to me. Just like before I became a Christian, I didn't think that God cared about me whatsoever, but he actually had talked to me, um, and he had led me and directed me. So I just feel that that's, that's really quite important, that at the end of the day, just to think about where did God's, where was God at in this picture? And if you don't know, then ask him to show you. Where were you at in, uh, in my day? Because he's with us every single day. And it's always good to realize that and know how he communicates with you. So he communicates through me by making things difficult. He might communicate... <laughs> well, that's, that's more about me making things difficult for myself. <laughs> um, he might communicate with you by... Um, through nature or through somebody else, somebody giving their testimony, just like you could be a way in which God can communicate with another person by sharing your testimony or showing love. But that's pretty much for me. Thank you for sitting down and listening to me talk. Can I just ask you just one question? I just invite the band back as well. But the question is, if there are people here today that haven't yet decided to make a commitment to follow Christ, and there's people watching online, is there something you would like to share with those people from your perspective? Yeah. Um, just saying yes with your mouth, um, that would be the first step. Just like I said yes to somebody, even though I'm 99% of the time I didn't mean it. Um, but yeah, I've been there in situations where, you know, it just felt like there's, there's no God or there's, um, you know, God's against me or, and just saying yes, just give it a try. And that's all it takes. God can work with that 1% or 0.1%. And he can take that, that decision and he can make it flourish. And just like he did in my heart, you know, going from a completely calloused heart where, I just wanted to kill people, where I just wanted to ruin people's day to a point where serving, I love serving people. I love um, just seeing the best in people and just seeing the potential in each and every person. Thanks, Brian. Um, is there anyone here that wants to give him your yes? And uh, once we'll do it here, and then I just want to address people that might be watching online as well. Is anyone here this morning with us that says, you know, the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And Jesus said, you know, if you want the life that is within me, 
that I so want to give you, you have to be prepared to lose the life you've been given. So there's a choice, but Jesus will meet you where you make that choice. I love that. 1% yes. And Jesus met him in the 1% yes. And now it's 100 and Brian is going from strength to strength. And so it's a choice of our will. And then God works with that. Is there anyone here that is saying, Greg, yes, I am ready to give you my yes to the measure I can today. And God will hear it and respond. Anyone here? I gave him my yes in 1997, 23rd of December at 10 a.m. in my workplace. It was a very profound moment for me, life-changing moment. And there's plenty of people in this room that have given their yes and still giving him our yes. Something you do. Okay. I just want to speak to anyone that's watching online. If you want to give him your yes today, I want to encourage you to do that right now. Because I can't see you, I'm just going to pray and I invite you to pray with me just this real simple prayer of giving him your yes. So just repeat these words uh, after me. Today, Lord, I give you my yes. I don't fully understand what I may be doing, but by faith and trust, I give you my yes. I ask you to invade my world today. I ask you to reveal your love for me into my heart. I ask you to make you known in my life. Bring the reality of your love into my heart and my mind and reveal your son, Jesus Christ, within me. I turn from the way I've been living. I ask you to forgive me of the way I've been living and bring me into this new life that you promise. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Today I accept you as my Savior, my Lord, and my friend. Help me. Give me wisdom. Give me counsel. And lead me into a relationship with you. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you've made that decision, and Christ has just entered your life, to bring you a brand new life in Him. Can I encourage you to tell someone? Can I encourage you to see where church families are in the city you're at, whether it's here or in another city, and just let them know and start a journey of walking with others who are on that same journey. Be blessed today in Jesus' name.